What a blessing that is. We're going to continue our series on the scatterers tonight. The scatterers. Some were persecuted, some were purposed, and others proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we left off last time with Dorcas, the dedicated doer. And tonight, it's kind of an interesting one. You probably wouldn't think that this was a scatterer. In fact, there probably wasn't, wasn't a Jewish Christian who would have ever dreamed in a million, million years this particular person would have been a scatterer. But God used his life to impact so many people for the cause of Christ. And what's interesting to me is, believe it or not, I feel like this can really speak to our hearts tonight. Because this kind of hits close to home in the area we're ministering tonight. So Acts in chapter 10, once you have found it, I know we've sat for a little bit. If you can stand to your feet and stretch one more time, don't worry. I am mindful of the time, and I will stay mindful of it throughout the message. But I do know we came to hear from the Lord, and we want to hear from His Word tonight. And I do am thankful for everything that's happened so far today, and tonight as well. And I believe it's in for a good rest of the evening. Acts 10 and verse number 1, it says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, and one that feared God with all his house and which gave much alms to the people, and prayed to God always. He saw on a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of the God coming in to him, saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid, and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa, and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside, he shall tell thee what thou ought to do. And when the angel which he spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us. You're certainly a great God. We come to you tonight knowing we need you. Well, we're so grateful tonight for everything that's happened so far. Well, we're thankful for what you're doing here, what you've done so many years, or that you're continuing to do. And may you continue to help us to be challenged tonight, to be strengthened, to encourage. Thank you for every single person who made it a point to be here. I know we live busy lives, but Lord, I pray that you'll use us tonight, Lord, in a great way. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There's a story about two snakes that were slithering down the road. One snake turned to the other and asked, Are we poisonous? The other snake replied, I don't know. Why do you ask? The one snake said, Because I just bit my lip. And uh, anyways, okay. Years ago, in Alabama, there was a man. He was a pastor. His name was Sam. He was a local Baptist pastor. He had two sons who had the responsibility of bringing into uh, uh, the house the stove wood. The boys reported to their dad that someone was stealing the stove wood. By the way, what a dirty thing to do. Don't steal stove wood. And uh, the man, the pastor told his sons that until further notice, do not bring any more wood in. I will myself. The boys were delighted. You know, they got out of their chore. Two days later, there was a loud crash that came from the neighbor's house. Soon after, the boys ran in to report to their dad that their neighbor's stove had just blew up. The pastor explained 
that he had hid blasting caps in the stovewood pile, and from now on it would be safe for them to start bringing in the stovewood again. And talk about a man who caught the thief, but yet did it with dignity. I think tonight we see one such man. He seemed a good man. He was a wealthy man. He was an influential man. He was a Roman soldier, but he was also a Gentile. And every single part of him seemed foreign to the gospel from a Jewish Christian standpoint. But we're thankful tonight that the gospel is just not for the Jews, but it's for everyone. And we're thankful tonight that the gospel is for you and me. In his autobiography, Muhammad Gandhi wrote that during his student days, he read the gospel seriously and considered converting to Christianity. He believed that in the teachings of Jesus, he could find the solution to the caste system that was dividing the people of India. One Sunday, he decided and he determined to attend services at a nearby church and talk to the minister about becoming a Christian. When he entered the sanctuary, however, the usher refused to give him a seat and suggested that he go worship with his own people. Gandhi left the church and never returned. And he said this, If Christians have caste differences also, I might as well remain a Hindu. And that usher's prejudice not only betrayed Jesus, but also turned a person away from trusting him as his Savior. Acts 1 verse 8, The disciples were commanded of God, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now how is that going to happen? Because the Jews would go through a ritual process to cleanse themselves after coming in contact with a Gentile. They believed Gentiles were no greater than a dog. But we see in this story that God intervenes to remove prejudice and opens the gospel to all people. So what about you and me tonight? How do we receive people? I've been excited about what God's been doing over the last uh, few months, and, and, and I'm thankful for the increase and the attendance and and souls saved, and people baptized, being discipled, and what a great thing. But you know, when, as we grow, more and more people come through these doors. The gospel attracts all kinds, we know that. But the gospel also attracts those who are seeking the gospel. They want to know. But maybe they look a little different. Maybe they act a little different. Maybe even they smell a little different. Maybe they talk a little different. But I'm thankful tonight that the gospel of Jesus Christ covers all gamuts, and it's for every single one of us. So number one tonight, if you're writing, I want us to see a man that came to Christ that most people never would have dreamed. Some people already thought he did. He already had, according to verse number two. So how did this man become a Christian? Well, number one, we see the conversation of Cornelius. But before we get into his conversation, we see the lifestyle, if you will, the lifestyle, and we see his corner. First of all, there was a certain man in Caesarea. Caesarea was a Gentile city where Jews wouldn't set foot. It was 30 miles north of Joppa. And this man, the Bible says, was a centurion. He represents Rome by commanding 100 soldiers from Italy. What's interesting here, as Lenski says, 32 such Italian cohorts were stationed in different provinces of the empire. They were made up of Italian volunteers. In fact, these Italian band, there's 32 of them, and every single one of them was the most loyal troops 
for Rome you could find. Centurions were carefully chosen for one reason. It was their quality of character. Because they were so valuable, they received double the salary of ordinary soldiers. So to become a centurion was a good thing for you and your family. In fact, they were paid double, but it wouldn't happen until they put in at least 15 years of military service. In fact, Polybius says centurions weren't just known for their daring courage, but they were more known for deliberation, constancy, and strength of mind. In other words, these were the strategists. These may not necessarily been the head coach, but they were the offensive line coach, or they were the quarterback coach, or they were the defense. They were like the chess masters in a close game. And because of their uh, 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 play calling, or because of what they saw, or because of the gifts and talents of their players, they could orchestrate it just right, that it would happen exactly what they were doing. They were very valuable, and that's who this Cornelius was. But the Jews' hatred for the Gentiles in general was nothing compared to the contempt for soldiers. You see, this man was a wealthy man. He had much power. He had much prestige. He was very influential. But the Jews would have nothing to do with him. And I think tonight of our area, I appreciate the video, appreciate Portland, and, and that will always be a focus of ours and our outreach. But I think of the area we live. Several months, weeks ago, uh, uh, we, I took my son, Eric, to, for his birthday. We went to this little airfield in Hubbard. Uh, I, I think it's Ernt Field or something like that. I don't know exactly uh, the name of it. But th- our neighbor is getting his pilot's license. And so he says, why don't you come out at 8 o'clock in the morning on Friday morning? I said, hey, that's, that's staff at Grandview Baptist Church's day off. 8 o'clock? And they, they have donuts for everybody. Okay, maybe we'll get out of bed for a donut, okay? They have donuts for everyone, and then you can watch planes take off and planes land. Well, true to our family of six, we got there about 15 minutes after eight, and of course got the wonderful report that all the planes had already take off. Well, throughout the course, they actually worked out. We got to go and see a few planes up close. It's actually a a dream of my son Eric's, at least at this point, to be a pilot one day. And so he was so excited. They showed us how these planes are come from these kits from Aurora. And it takes a thousand man hours to put these planes together. And there's all these little screws you got to put in and you, you have to put the engine and the engine alone costs like $40,000, I think, and all this time. And eventually you can get this plane for half the price if you do it all yourself. And he was explaining to me all these things. And we get to the place where the plane takes off and a man comes up to me and says, hey, he says, uh, 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 the Young Eagles program, he says, I want you to, uh, uh, your kids can actually be flown around. I thought, wow. Man, Eric's head perked up, what? And so we got there, and of course when we got there, they said, oh, it's already full. Uh, but give us your name, we'll reach out to you in a couple, couple weeks, and, and maybe you'll be able to fly. And so we got a call randomly one day from a man named Gary, and we went there, and he flew us around. The kids had just a great time. Found out later he was a Christian man, and in fact, uh, believe it or not, he was, a bu- he was a bus captain at one time. So we started chatting, and he went to a church in Canby, and he said this, I said, where do you used to pick up kids? He said, well, there's a little trailer park off uh, of Union Mills Road, and and then there's this little place over here. And he goes, there's this uh, uh, this poor area up in Beaver Creek. I said, what? Poor area up in Beaver Creek? He 
He said, yeah. It's, in fact, it's right across from Grandview Baptist Church. I said, really? And you guys know this better than me. I'm just going off what he said. He said, those houses were built there for lower income. I said, really? I said, I just drove down Tanya Court over here, and there's a house for 800000 you know. <laughs> Something has changed through the years. And I say all that to say this. In 2023, Beaver Creek, Oregon had a population of 4,000 people with a median age of 50 years old. But listen to this. A median household income of $127,000. That means the average person that lives in Beaver Creek makes $127,000. In the U.S., the average median income is $67,000. Beaver Creek makes almost twice as much as the average person in the U.S. 98% of the residents in Beaver Creek are U.S. citizens. And in 2003, the average property value was $661,000. And 92% of the people in Beaver Creek own a home, and 8% of them rent. And I thought this was interesting. Most people in Beaver Creek will commute an average of 32 minutes a day to work. People come to Beaver Creek for a reason. Whether we like it or not, we live in an area, we minister in an area that's more uh, affluent. And I'm thankful for the bus area we go to, and I'm thankful for Portland, and I'm thankful for all we do. But the bottom line is we, we, we minister to more affluent area. Now you may be sitting here today and say, Pastor, I'd love to be one of those median average people. And wouldn't we all? But I say that to say this. This centurion was someone that no one was going to go minister to. No Jew was going to go minister to him. No, no one was going to go. In fact, Peter had to be called of God, and we'll see this in a little bit, to finally go and minister. But we find this man, of all people, comes to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I remember when I was a kid growing up, we would every year go and, and we'd go see the Christmas lights in town. Berna was about city about 4,000 and the street that we'd go to was, was uh, Warner Straw Street. And my dad had called it Snob Hill. That's just what we grew up calling it. Everyone rich supposedly lived in Snob Hill. And you know the one area that no one ever wanted to go soloing in was Snob Hill. Now I'm here today to say I'm thankful for every poor person we give the gospel to, I'm thankful for every rich person, I'm thankful for every middle. To me, the gospel knows no boundaries. The, the, the gospel, it, 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 the, the cross, the, the, the ground is even at the cross. We know that. But I want us to know tonight that there's some people that may never hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because of a perception sometimes we can have of them. I think of a motorcycle person, you know, and it looks rough maybe, and, you know. They would never want to know about Jesus. You know what? They might. You know? The wealthy person. Oh, man. I'd have to get through three gates to get to their house. They probably would never want to know about Jesus. They might. The poor person. Oh, man. They would never know about Jesus. They're too involved in what they're doing. No, 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 no. The gospel reaches all people. And so we're thankful tonight for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we see, first of all, his corner, but second of all, his character. The Bible says a devout man. One that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. 
He's devout. He feared God. He gave much alms. He prayed. He was observant. He was just in verse number 22. He had a good report. He was immediately following the Lord in verse 33. Everything about this man was, hey, he's sure, I'm sure he's saved. But what's interesting is Wiersbe says, he was devout, honest, generous, and sincere, but he was not a saved man. It is impossible to be very religious, but still be lost. And though I say today we can learn from this man that we do need to live an outstanding life. In fact, a prominent senator was dropped from the Green Book, the list of Washington society alike who are invited to special functions. Why? Because he never attended the events. Instead, he went home each night to be with his family. Then he discovered he had cancer. A difficult career choice faced him. The night before he announced his decision not to run for office again, he said to his wife, You know, the only thing I'll probably ever be remembered for is that I loved my wife. To which she replied, And what's wrong with that? May I say tonight, there's nothing wrong with being known for being a man that loves his family and loves God. Loves his country. That's what Cornelius was. I mean, he seemed to have it all. In fact, in verse number 24, he led his family, including his slaves, to follow God. Even though they lived in an area much like America where there's many gods and goddesses and the Roman alike, they could have, they could have followed any god they wanted, but instead they, they've been impacted by their father. And there's something about someone who has a love for God. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the Savior. That's not Savior, this is the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. For we unto God a sweet Savior of Christ, and them that are saved and them that perish, to the one we are the Savior of death unto death, and to the other the Savior of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? Tonight, may I encourage us, like this man, to be an aroma that people I want to be around. Have you ever had those little uh, sensey things or whatever they're called? Little lights. And you put this little ball of square cube of wax in there. Give it a few minutes. Wow. It just changes the whole room, doesn't it? That smell. And Paul says here, there should be something about your life that people are attracted to. My wife, when she puts her perfume on, it's, woo, wow, that smells good. May I say tonight, there should be something about the way we live our life that people are saying, hey, I want what they have. And we know that it's not what we have, it's what Jesus Christ has done inside of us. And it's made all the difference in all the world. So we see, first of all, uh, uh, the conversation of Cornelius, what was his lifestyle like He seemed like he was already saved, but number two, we see the commandment of the Lord. And we see in verse number three, he saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? We see a seeker. Somebody was seeking for God. No one was willing to tell him about Jesus Christ because of who he was. And God says, hey, I'm going to do something about that. We see through a vision. The Bible says about the ninth hour of a day. Now, this is 3 p.m. in the afternoon. This is when everybody, every Jew, typically 
would spend time in prayer. In fact, Acts 3.1, Luke recorded that Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. Daniel 9.21, we see he prayed three times a day. The Bible says, Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. Luke alludes to the ninth hour in describing Jesus' crucifixion. And this was the hour that this man was devout enough that he prayed. He prayed during this hour. And while he prayed, God spoke to him. In Scripture, we see God reveals himself in a burning bush to Moses the talking donkey of Balaam, the gentle whisper heard by Elijah, the strange object lessons by Jeremiah. And we see this man hears from God, sees from God in this vision. May I say in the present, aren't you thankful that we can hear from God through his written word? We can hear from God sometimes by the words of others. And we can hear from God even through circumstances. But Robertson said this, his prayers and his alms proved his sincerity and won the ear of God. By the way, it's up to us to listen, is it not? To be perceptive, to be alert. But what is God trying to tell you today? 1 Samuel 3.10, And the Lord came and stood and called as other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. I thought J. Vernon McGee had a very interesting take on this. He said, this is God's answer to that oft-repeated question. What about the poor pagan, That's that good heathen who wants to know God but has never had a chance? Is he lost? The answer is in the midst of even obstacles. God will find a way to get a light to such a person. And so we see Cornelius... Seemed like he had it all together. Seemed like he he had arrived, but he did not know Jesus. But God is going to find a way to give it to him. And then we see the supervision, verse number four. And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Now what's interesting here is, Uh, Cornelius doesn't get an address. Cornelius gets a name. He gets a a, a by the sea. He doesn't get any particular direction. How does he know where to go? Well, tanners required a good supply of water, number one. And second of all, tanners are located outside the main city because of the smell associated with tanning. And third of all, the smell was so bad. I think these men just followed their noses. What's interesting here, in this odorous home that that Peter was in, he stays that much longer. Have you ever been in a smelly place? You know, my grandpa used to have pigs growing up. He had over a thousand pigs. And you'd walk in those things, and and, and it would hit you like a ton of bricks. But after a few hours, you got kind of used to it. So maybe Peter had just gotten used to it, but he's there and he's waiting. God has a plan for him. And we see in Romans eleven thirty three 33, encourages us that, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. What happens here? It's interesting how Cornelius sends some men they know exactly where to go. But not only is God working in Cornelius' heart, but God is also working in the supporter's heart. The Bible says in verse number 9, On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh into the city, Peter went up into the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, and we won't go through it all. 
But he kind of has this vision and he hears from God and basically he's told that forbidden foods are unclean, but you should not look on the Gentiles as inferior people. Peter would have thought that the Roman soldier could not become a follower of Christ, but after this vision, he gets the assurance from God that yes, they too can know about Jesus. John Butler says this, those who pray are much more likely to learn about the will and way of God than those who do not pray. Wow, what a deep truth. I know it's simple, but how oftentimes do we get jealous of people? Man, they're hearing from God, that God's answering their prayers. Well, are you praying? Well, no. Well, start praying. Have not, because you asked not. I remember in Turlock, someone came up to me and says, Pastor Justin, God always answers your prayers. I said, what? I said, let me give you a list of about 200 things right here. He says, no, you're always talking about in church how God answered this prayer and that answered this prayer. I said, well, let's compare prayer lists. He had like three items on it. I had like 200. I said, maybe this is why God keeps answering prayers. You have not because he asked not. Which brings us to number three, the collaboration of the men. We see now is a very important time because Cornelius has made his step. God's worked on Peter's heart. But now we're going to see these two come together. We see Peter's accommodation, verse 23. Then he called them in and lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them. And certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Peter is now okay with talking to people about Jesus Christ, even though they're not Jews, even though they're Gentiles. There's a wonderful story about a Chicago bank that once asked for a letter of recommendation. And there was a young Bostonian being considered for employment. The Boston Investment House could not say enough about the young man. They wrote that his father was a Kaba, his mother was a Lowell. He had a happy blend of the Salston Sauls, the Peabody's, and other Boston's first families. They thought for sure his recommendation will be received without any hesitation. Several days later, the Chicago Bank sent a note saying that information supplied was altogether inadequate. And this was the message they put. We are not contemplating using the young man for breeding purposes, just for work. And aren't you thankful tonight that God is not a respecter of persons, but accepts those from every family, nation, and tribe? Aren't you thankful tonight that God called a young man from Fresno? I didn't know you were from Elder Martin's church. I've been to uh, Master's Bend many times. Thankful for his influence in that. God called a man from Indiana. And many of you, God's called and and worked on and and brought here for such a time as this. Why? God isn't a respecter of persons. He didn't care if Cornelius was wealthy. He didn't care if Cornelius had affluence. He didn't care if Cornelius had the nicest house in town. He didn't care if he was a Roman soldier. He didn't care if he was a Gentile. He was okay with him coming to Christ. You say, how do you know that, Pastor Justin? Because Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. I'm thankful today that Jesus came for you and Jesus came for me. We see Cornelius' acceptance. You see, Cornelius now had to humble himself. Peter humbles himself. Cornelius humbles himself. Philippians uh, verses 24 through 26. We see uh, Cornelius waits for them. We see Philippians 2, 3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. God has a way 
of using even our most feeble efforts. Have you ever noticed that before? Now, if you ever went out to try to witness and you just felt so prepared, you didn't feel ready, you didn't have much time, you didn't know exactly where to go, and you finally went to a place, and God just comes along and kind of makes it all come together. I remember uh, uh, several weeks ago, my wife and I were making a, a follow-up visit, and a lady came to the door, and, and God just impressed on my heart to witness to her. And about that time, her daughter came and wanted to show all these things. And, and I could tell the, sh- the, the gaze was shifting. And my wife just stepped down in there and started playing with her. And Jackson was with us. And before long, they were doing their thing. And I got to finish sharing the gospel. Jesus Christ, the lady got saved. I'm thankful that, that God used that to, to kind of help make that happen. But have you ever been uh, in a soul-winning experience and God just came in and you just thought, only God could have done that? Reminds me of the story of Ignis Jam Pederewski. He was a famous Polish composer pianist who was once scheduled to perform at a great American concert hall for a high society extravaganza. The audience was full of the elite, full of the wealthy, And there was one woman there with a fidgety nine-year-old son. As nine-year-olds do, he got bored and he kind of slipped away without the mom realizing and ended up getting on the platform and began playing chopsticks. The roar of the crowd turned to shouts as hundreds yelled, Get that boy away from there! When Paderewski heard the uproar backstage, he grabbed his coat, rushed over behind the boy, Reaching around them from behind, the master began to improvise a counter-medley to chopsticks. As the two of them played together, Paderewski kept whispering in the boy's ear, Keep going! Don't quit, son. Don't stop. Don't stop. May I encourage you today? You may feel like that boy sometimes. But just keep on serving the Lord. Don't stop. Keep on going. And let God... Get involved. And that brings us to number four, and we'll be done in just a few minutes. We see the concession of the gospel. What's interesting here is that the gospel starts making its way to the city. We see the apostle, the greatest barrier to the spread of the good news in the first century was the Jewish Gentile conflict. And I do not have time to get into them all, but Romans 10 12 talks about that. It says, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call him. For whosoever shall call upon him, Lord, shall be saved. We see the army in verse number 44. The Bible says that while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Even the army there who was there accepted Christ as their Savior. We see the assembly in verse number 45. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was pulled out the gift of the Holy Ghost. And we see the scatterer. The gospels getting out to this area. The very city where no Jew would even step foot. Now many people are responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. May I encourage you today, whether it's the wealthy and the higher end people, of our area, whether it's the poor and the more difficult situations here and some of the areas around us, whether it's the middle-class blue-collar worker that just gets up every morning and goes to work and grinds it out, or maybe it's just the, the common person on the street, may we always be willing to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Charles Osgood told the story of two ladies who lived in a convalescent center Each had suffered an incapacitating stroke. Margaret's stroke left her left side restricted. 
Well, Ruth's stroke damaged her right side. So two ladies in a convalescent home, one couldn't use their right side, the other one could not use their left side. Both of these ladies were accomplished pianists, but they had given up hope of ever playing again. The director of the center sat them down at a piano and encouraged them to play solo pieces together. They did, and a beautiful friendship developed. What a picture of when you and I allows God to introduce the gospel to someone else through us. Isn't it amazing? I've seen God save people that I may have never would have went and witnessed to. And I've seen people that I knew, just knew were going to get saved, that did not respond to the gospel. But when you go with God, it makes a difference in someone's life. And you may have someone that helps complete you. You may have someone you're able to disciple that becomes one of your dearest friends. I think of one such man, Michael Douglas in Turlock, probably one of my greatest friends. And he was someone we got to disciple and ground, and we did so much together. We'd go hiking together, all these things. I was thankful for that. May I encourage you today to look for those Corneliuses. He may not be wealthy. It may just be an average Joe down the street. But there's someone out there who's seeking for Jesus even tonight. And they need to hear somebody who will go and talk to them. By the way, I need to work on this. We all do. And may God allow us to see a huge harvest of souls in Beaver Creek, Milwaukee, and Portland, and all over this country and all over the world today because of our efforts. So we see in conclusion... God reaches those who want to know him. Second of all, the gospel is for all people. Third of all, there are people everywhere eager to believe. And fourth of all, the proof of your heart is right in this area of prejudice. As the very proof is that you are willing to tell everyone about Jesus Christ. I'll never forget, uh, in Turlock, I uh, was walking down the street one day and I saw a group of people praying and, uh, and, and they had turbans on their heads. And immediately my heart kind of just turned a little bit. And I thought, why are they bringing that here? And a couple of weeks later, I found out that they were, they were Sikh and, and they were Indian. And, and actually, they had these spiritual daggers they would take with them to church. It's, it's, it's a crazy thing. But they had these beautiful temples and all this stuff. And and I think a week or two later, I was playing in this basketball league on Tuesday nights, and I got to play with these two brothers, and man, they were good. And uh, they made me look good. Don't you like that? You know? And uh, they were shooters, and they did, there were so many great things, and we were playing. We played several weeks in a row, and I finally got to witness to them a little bit. We started developing a friendship, and I realized later they were Sikh. And I realized for the first time, that group of people that I did not even want to talk to because, uh, why are they bringing that here? We're just people like you and me that needed to hear about Jesus Christ. I don't feel like there's prejudice in our church. I hope there's not. But I want to encourage you tonight to continue to keep loving people and telling people about Jesus Christ. And I believe God will help us fulfill the Great Commission even more in our area of the country. Every head bowed, every eye closed tonight.
Lord, tonight you've, you've just done a wonderful thing with the music. Lord, our church planner. Lord, with our, our Sunday school teachers, our adult connection group. Lord, this lesson was kind of, Lord, to that thought. These are people, literally, Lord, half the church in attendance tonight stood because they teach, they serve, they work, and we didn't even have nursery workers stand. Lord, a big part of our church tonight here in attendance serve you. And I don't believe there's any of us who are prejudiced or who do not want anybody to know about Jesus. But Lord, tonight we see a man who probably never would have heard had you not basically turned Peter's heart around and guided him to go tell. And it just shows me if Peter, the apostle Peter, Preach Pentecost. Or who you used in a mighty way needed you to work on their heart, his heart. Maybe our heart needs to be stirred a little bit tonight. Maybe there's someone here that needs to get something right with you. Maybe there's here that you've convicted them to tell their neighbor or someone about Jesus that they haven't. Lord, I know you've worked on my heart. I pray that there will not be any Corneliuses around here that don't know about Jesus because we haven't told them. May we be faithful to continue to be a great commission-minded church. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could stand to your feet, the piano's going to play. The invitation's open. If God's touched your heart today, may I encourage you to respond to the gospel, respond to the message. I know what God worked on my heart tonight as I prepared this. May I encourage you to continue to love people. I'm thankful for Sunday school teachers who do that every week. May we not lose that. I'm thankful for nursery workers who are willing to change diapers. I'm thankful for security guys who are willing to keep us safe. I'm thankful for those who greet I'm thankful for those who go to uh, work and try to share the gospel. May we not lose that as a church. May we continue to scatter the gospel of Jesus Christ. I believe with all my heart, God will allow us to reach even more people with Jesus Christ. And maybe there's someone here today that you're seeking. May you come to Christ. As the piano plays, may I encourage you to respond as God would have you to. God bless you. You may be seated. We got a quick video of about two minutes we're going to show you, and then we'll be on our way tonight. The church office is preparing the 2024 personal tithing envelopes for our members. Please help us in staying up to date with our giving envelopes by stopping by the welcome desk to let us know if you would like to receive a set of 2024 personal tithing envelopes, or if you have received them in the past and would like to opt out due to online giving. If we do not hear from you by October 29th, we will mark your preference as it was last year.
Trunk or Treat is right around the corner on October 29th at 5 p.m. Join us for the special community event we host right here in the Grandview parking lot. There will be free candy for all in attendance and plenty of games and activities for you to enjoy, as well as a raffle for two fire pits and a Fred Meyer gift card. If you would like to donate candy or interested in decorating your vehicle for Trunk or Treat, please sign up at the Welcome Desk or see Derek Vestal. Do you want to make a difference in the next generation? Our Awana program is growing and we need a few people to help listen to verses during the Wednesday night service. Memorizing scripture is crucial to our Christian walk. So come and make a difference in the lives of these children by helping and encouraging them as they memorize these key verses that will help them their entire lives. Volunteer today on the sign-up sheet at the welcome desk in the foyer. Join us for a wonderful opportunity to help your child sing and develop their voices through our 2023 Children's Christmas Choir. This is for children 5 years old through 6th grade. We will be performing during the Love Was Born a King program on Saturday, December 8th at 7 p.m. and Sunday, December 10th at 11 a.m. Bring your children to the service tonight at 5 for practice and they will receive a practice schedule to take home. Plan to join us and bring a friend for Open House Sunday on November 5th at 10 a.m. On this special day, we'll be celebrating any visitors who come with a gift. So invite your friends, relatives, and coworkers to come with you to church on November 5th. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great week, and we'll see you Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Okay, well, if you'll go ahead and slip in the back, and let's make sure we say hello and thank you to our church planner. And I hope you know two things. God loves you, and this pastor loves you. Have a great week. I mean that. Thank you for coming out tonight. Get some rest. You are dismissed. Mm-hmm.